0: Welcome back to another episode of Let Me Tell You. Today, boy, do we have a good show for you today. We have top-tier, high-quality content. Just like you get every single week when you tune into KUGR. Anytime you're in KUGR, you get high-quality content. I'm proud to deliver that to you. Today, oddly enough, we have... We don't have the normal logo. No, it's not the Let Me Tell You logo. It is Johnny freaking drama baby johnny drama why is it johnny drama well the semester's over baby for me i finished in wednesday but for most people this is generally when you're done with all your finals so as johnny drama says victory so we're feeling we're feeling a, it's a johnny drama victory friday that's a trend i'm sure that now every friday johnny drama victory friday you made it through the week And in 2020, something that's all you need. It is Johnny Drama Victory Friday. Johnny Drama is amazing character and entourage. If you've not seen the show, it's a good show. You should check it out. Well, for those of you listening, whether it's on Facebook Live, podcast version, my semester's over, took my last final Wednesday, geology, did pretty well. I believe I got that A in the class, so that's pretty good. But Let's talk about sports. Not my greatest. They're fantastic. I'm kidding. Of course, of course, I'm going to go over the weekend that was for the Cougars. Cal football, women's basketball, men's basketball. Signing day. Yesterday was signing day. Big day in the coaching period of uh, Nick Rolovich. So that is good. Always glad to see signing day occur. Big, big things on the horizon for the Cougars. So, Let's talk about the first story. The Supreme Court on Wednesday agreed to hear the case of athlete, college athlete compensation in June. Now, hold the phones. Nothing has been approved. People are not getting paid. It is they agreed to hear it. That is a big step forward in the potential in the possibility of athletes getting paid. It's a big deal. Now, a few years ago, I, I was not a fan of athletes getting paid. I was on the fa- I was on the the group of shut up. They get a scholarship. I had to pay for college. Why should they get extras? But when you sit back and you think about it, not every player is on scholarship, and certainly they do have advantages. They definitely do not having to pay for college. Their books are provided. The meals, yes, but it is a, It is a full time job, and they get no perks from it. They are being taken advantage of to a degree. Now, I wanted to break down some common misconceptions people might have about paying players and what that entails. Now, this is from, there's a 13 point article that a lot of sports classes use. It is called, let me pull up the name for you. It is, sorry, the NCA, 13 NCA myths by Andy Schwartz. This is a famous one, a lot of classes use it so first of all the one of the first myths is it's too hard to figure out how to pay players fairly no it's actually quite simple the schools don't you Notre Dame doesn't need to tell USU what it can offer what it can't the school says we'll pay you this and the parents and students say hey we'll take that salary or that money it's like any other job Starbucks isn't telling coffee roaster over there you got to pay every salary this no You set a standard, the standard is met, the market dictates it. It's very, very simple. Then also, Title IX, outlawing paying players. No, that's not true. Title IX does not require identical spending on women's sports, but it is true that the letter of Title IX requires spending on, look, it's just, look, Title IX is great, But it doesn't force... If you want to go by Title IX, that is more beneficial to the women's sports because then everyone will be paid the same. But it does not require you to spend the exact same amount on women's sports as you do men's sports. not dollar for dollar. So that's a common misconception. Pay ruins competitive balance. First of all, what competitive balance is there? I changed my mind. uh, I just... You take a couple classes, you hear athletes talk, you interview them, you hear their perspective, and then you go, oh, that makes a ton of sense. Competitive balance is not a thing in college sports. Do you think USC and Washington State are on the same level? No. You think Purdue, Ohio State? Do you think Alabama and Georgia are even on the same level? No. There's no competitive balance in college football. You have the Dynamite programs who are good every single year, and they can just pick and choose what recruits they want. There's Ohio State, Michigan, the billion-dollar endowment schools, billions and billions of dollars. And then there's us. We are the bottom level of schools that have pulled like that. There's no competitive balance. This could theoretically swing competitive balance. If you have a high-level player who's from Washington, let's say, and Ohio State's already committed a bunch of money to other players. We can just pony up more money. So you could overpay someone, sure. There's no such thing as competitive balance. It just doesn't happen. If there was competitive balance, Alabama and Clemson would not be in the title game every single year. It would be more diverse. You would see Clemson, Notre Dame, not Clemson, you would see Coastal Carolina, Oregon State. You don't see that. That's the thing. When you're a good coach, you get good players, you get good facilities, you get good donations. There's no competitive balance. Sports don't generally have competitive balance. The only competitive balance there is in professional sports is the salary cap. You can pay players. And that doesn't even help with competitive balance. You can choose to pay a lot of players or you don't. The A's don't pay anyone and they're still good. But the competitive balance just isn't as real as people think it is. If it was real, do you think we would be one in three? No, it would be more even. We'd have more 500 teams. We don't. And also, competitive balance—we've established it. Not real. Paid athletes can't be real students. That's ridiculous. I'm a student. If I see the quarterback getting paid, okay, cool. He's still a student. He's still going to class. Doesn't take away from his his my enjoyment of watching him play, interacting with him. In northwest, Northeastern, their, their co-op educational program requires them to get jobs and work in the classroom while being full-time students. Are they not students? Are? Now, if we want to, let's just take a step back real quick. The very definition of student athlete is built on corruption. It was established in the early 1900s to bes- bes- specifically specifically, not pay student-athletes. I don't remember who invented it. I'm just thinking this point now. I didn't have it in my notes. It was specifically invented to not have to pay players who worked hours. The dude who invented it said, yeah, they're working full-time jobs, but they're student-athletes, so ipso facto, we don't have to pay them. That's corrupt. And, yes, there is an advantage of players getting a scholarship. Not every player gets it. Football and basketball are the only ones where the majority of the players are not scholarship. Most other sports are not. And also, go ask your bursar's office, man, if, being a, if having a full-time job disqualifies you from being a full-time student. It doesn't. My friend Nathan, he's a full-time student. He's an honor roll student. He also works at the car wash to make more money. So that doesn't disqualify you from being a student. I can see, I see students working. That doesn't mean I don't, I think, oh, ooh, look at them. They're working. They're not real students. Do the football players have to earn? Us. They have to do something. Not every player gets scholarship. They're not all on room and board. So there are players who are paying the six thousand dollars in state, on top of going to class, on top of practicing, going to games. They can't get jobs. And look, even if the players don't pay, let's just take that whole argument away. The school. Will not pay. Just simply do name, image, and likeness. The school does not have to deal with that. That is, this athlete is entitled to use their image, their name, and their likeness to earn some money. Oh, that's a crazy thought. That doesn't impact the school. If you see Trevor Lawrence and South Carolina BMW wants Trevor Lawrence to endorse their BMWs, he can do that. He's allowed to right now. He can't, but if name, image, and likeness passes, he can, and that doesn't cost the school a dollar. It doesn't cost him anything at all. If Brandon or if Lucas Bacon for the Cougs wants to endorse Portlight Light Pizza, let him. Who cares? I mean, sure, the school could say it. it can't be, it can't be any defamation to the school. You can't slander the school. Any endorsements, they can't mess with the school's image. That's totally fair. I understand that. But to say, I I just don't understand why people are so opposed to paying athletes. Look, if you're for amateurism, cool. Go watch some high school. I go to college. I support the students who play on the teams that I go to school with. They are my peers. I will support them. But... If I see them making money, I'm not going to not support them. They still have to go to class, maintain the grades to play. 1% of college athletes will make it pro. Do you know how long an average football career lasts? Three years. That doesn't set you up for life. Three years on a minimal salary. It's great money. Don't get me wrong. I would not turn down an NFL contract. But it does not set you up for life. There's a lot of physical harm that comes with it. So people, if he wants to make some money... While in college, why do you guys care? Students will go to the games. They're fun. That's what you do. If you're an alumni, you'll go because that's your school. That's how you stay connected. And if you're just a fan, you don't have that big of a connection to the school anyway. You didn't go there. You don't have, if your kids play in there, you'll still support it. You watch pro sports, they get paid. Why do you care? It doesn't take away from your enjoyment. Watching the Huskies get destroyed in basketball, is still fun if they're making seven figures. I'm still going to want to see Jeff Pauler block the crap out of Isaiah Stewart, which he did. And it doesn't, and I still like it. If he's getting some cash on the side from university of Washington, BMW, I don't care. As long as they're a good person and they go to class, get their grades. And so they're eligible for the NCA. What's the big deal about making a living? I can put ads right now on my podcast And make uh, not a ton of money, not a ton of money at all. I can still make money, and that could theoretically be my full-time job. Does that make me any less of a student? No, it doesn't. So stop. This is good in the end. It could theoretically work on leveling up competitive balance. Because right now, you know, there are schools paying players under the table. That's happened since the beginning of time. It's naive to think they aren't. So just make it so you can pay them. Look, as much as Alabama thinks they could offer every single five-star, Alabama, if they truly want to, can get any player they want. Now, paying they can also, it also. doesn't really change the fact that the big schools will get the good players. Ohio State will always be able to pony up the money for the four-star running back. It screws us over. But if you think about it, we were never in contention for the four-star running back. We were shocked when we got some four-star basketball players. Yeah, we're in the Pac-12, man. That's historically one of the greatest basketball conferences. But we were shocked. Washington State is not going to get a big recruit. And we do. It's every once in a while with Clay Thompson, Michael Bumpus. That's it. Okay? So people, just be grateful that is actually improving. And these players who 1% of them go pro have a chance to actually earn some money before their college career is over. Okay, people? All right, let's move on. So I previewed the Cal football game. Cal football game did not happen. One second, let me get something to drink. So the Cal football game did not happen. That was disappointing. Now, I've seen on WSU Twitter and College Football Reddit, all those, the dark sides of the internet, if you will. Oh, why'd the game get canceled? There was one player with COVID. Gee, I wonder. It's like it's a super infectious disease virus that spreads. So if one player gets it and they quarantine the people who have interacted with them, that shuts down the entire defensive line, people. You don't want to spread it. As much as you want to see college football, I'd rather, you know what, stop the virus, get back to life so I can go to class in person so I can see my grandparents. Okay? This isn't hard. So when the whole D-line was quarantined, you can't play without a D line and you never know what if there's a false negative, it's 2020 that could happen. False positives. We don't know someone could test positive. The dude tested positive after two straight tests. So he could have had it earlier. We don't know. He, he went negative, negative, positive. When did he pick it up? Who else picked it up? There could have been more people to pick it up and the test didn't work. So who knows? Stop complaining. This is ridiculous. This isn't a real season. This is a joke of a season. There were four teams, maybe 10 teams, who actually care about the season. The rest of the season is a joke for everyone else, not in the top 10. Anyone who's not going to a New Year's Six Bowl or the playoffs, it's, this is a pointless season. Even that's not even... The Pac-12 championship has subs. We... It was going to be USC, Colorado. Then the Pac-12 switched it to keep USC... Now they're playing USC, U-Dub. Oh, wait. After they announced it, UW has no team, their entire team is in quarantine. So guess what? You bring in the backups. Oregon. It's, you guys, the Sun Belt, who has two top 25 teams in the playoffs, in the top 25, Louisiana and Coastal Carolina, undefeated. They, they canceled this, they canceled the game because of COVID, and now they're just declaring dual co-champions it's not a real season guys so just shut up okay it's ridiculous there's just no don't complain about this season it's a joke it's a risk and we're not playing in a bowl game these players haven't seen their family since june i don't know i don't really care i alabama clemson ohio state texas a&m notre dame florida cincinnati Those are the only schools that really care about this season because they're doing very well. They're the only ones undefeated or have one loss and in the top 25, top five. So this season is a joke. Utah just opted out of a bowl game yesterday. We're not going to a bowl game. So look, I don't really see the point in getting all worked up about this. It's it's a busted season. Just put it behind us and move on to 2021. Because hopefully it's a heck of a lot better than 2020 because hindsight, not so great in 2020. All right, let's move on to what has actually happened and some positive results, not COVID positive. Remember, test negative, stay positive. Now, the ladies Cougar team, the lady Cougars, Women's basketball, Cammie Etheridge's team. Cammie Etheridge, the women's basketball coach, who I've been very critical of her performance as a coach because she was not great her first two weeks. And then she had that incident early this semester with the block party. The people just watered into my driveway. I couldn't ask them to leave. Anyway, so she inherited a roster with two of the greatest women's basketball players in our school's history. Bobby Buckets, Bobby Hertzogovia, Hertzogovia. i sorry if I'm your name, and Chanel Molina. Both of these players, great players for the point guard, for the Cougars, Bobby Buckets, all-time leading scorer in basketball history for the Cougs, and Shalel Molina, a great point guard, all playing pro overseas. The Lady Cougars opened their season against UW with an eight-point win. Now, keep in mind, the first three games were postponed due to COVID issues. Our team, their team, we didn't get to play number two, Stanford, and some other teams. We will play them later. So we opened up Apple Cup on the road, in Seattle, boom! This is how you start a season, people. Exactly what the Lady Cougars did. They went in there, and they took control right from the jump. The first quarter on, they were basically three or four minutes in the first quarter, they were in control. Now, heading into that game, there were questions about who would score points for the Cougars, because Chanel Bellina and Bobby Buckets were the go-to scorers. It's like the Cougars replacing CJ. And look, we have our answer. It's very clear. It is a well-balanced attack, much more balanced than previously stated with Bobby Buckus and Chanel Molina. Not a knock on them, but I think it's a more well-rounded team. Charlize Ledger Walker, the freshman from New Zealand, and Bella... Oh, I just had her name ready to say. I'm uh, going to... Markatova, the sophomore from Rwanda. So two international players. So it's, it's interesting to see. There's a lot of... College basketball is a very international game. We have New Zealanders, Australians, Rwandan, right? Rwanda, Rwandan. You have plenty... It's a very big international game. So it's cool to see how the players get here. Like you think, oh, I didn't know we recruited someone from Rwanda. That's interesting. And you just don't think of that. And it worked. We have Charlie Sledger Walker, who is... If you look her it up, it's considered a prodig- a basketball prodigy in New Zealand. In her college debut, she, she went off for 20 points and seven rebounds. That's impressive. And then a couple assists, I believe six or seven assists. She was a very dominant point guard. Amazing. They were in control the entire game. I watched the second half after the Vandals game I'll talk about later. It came on. No, this was, yes, this was after the Vandals game. I was writing up my, my, um, Replay of the, of the game saying, Hey, how did we do? Okay, we did decently. I look on the Pac 12 app. Who's next? Oh, we're playing UW. Oh, I'll always watch a UW game. Huh, we're winning. Okay. So I watched the entire second half. If you haven't watched the Cougars women basketball game, put it on. It's a great show. It's a, They're an amazing team. They're dominant. They pass the ball well. They shoot fairly effectively. Just a good game, solid, fundamentally sound basketball, which is not necessarily what you can say for the men's team, which is five and zero looking to go six and zero. So Cammie Etheridge, honestly, the one complaint I have for the first game against UW is turnovers. Now I think that's just bad because it's the first day haven't been able to practice the full amount, but look, she's four and one against the Huskies. So as far as I'm concerned, give her a ten year contract if you. If you keep beating the Huskies like this, just keep doing it. That's all we care about here. Beat the Huskies. I didn't always like women's basketball. I just decided to give it another, well, I will watch anything with a Cougar logo on it. And I decided might as well, they're winning. And then you watch it and people say, oh, women's basketball is not as good. They don't, they don't dunk. They're not as athletic. Well, look, that's not necessarily, they don't dunk. Well, They don't dunk because they're not that tall. So inherently, that's not going to work. And to quote other people, oh, I love basketball. I love basketball. The purest form. pure. I love good passing, good shooting. Well, then you should watch some women's basketball. It's really good basketball. If you just sit down and watch it for sports, entertainment, college reasons, whatever, don't compare it to the NBA. It's not the NBA. Don't compare it to men's basketball. It's not men's basketball. It's a very fun basketball game to watch. The players play very aggressive. They fight for the rebound. They do exactly what they do in the men's game, except they just don't dunk people. That's it. That's the only difference between Noah Williams and Charlize Leisure Walker. That's the difference. Noah can dunk. Shirley's cannot. I can't dunk. So I don't, I don't see it. like I have friends who argue. Oh, I love basketball. I love basketball. It's purest form. You've been to a women's game. No, because they can't dunk. Well, Shut up. You haven't been to one, but you can't talk. So women's basketball is a great game, especially the Cougars. If you claim to be a Cougar fan, alumni, and you don't watch the women's game, just get out of my sight. You got to watch it. It's a great show. They put up points. The men's team does not. They play good defense. The men's team actually plays phenomenal defense. So they're a good team. Cami Etheridge turned it around her third year. She took two years to get the players she wanted. And she brought them over from northern Colorado. She got good players. And they're just playing well in the Pac-12. And they got a big game this weekend against Oregon State. 20 number 21. They were number eight earlier, or number 16, they fell to 21 because they lost to Oregon. So the next game was against Idaho. So they beat the Huskies, rivalry win. Then they go, they go to Pullman. And then the the Vandals drive the eight miles across Idaho. Doo, 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 doo. Probably stopped at Cougar Country drive through to Cougar Country to get some not drive through Cougar Country to get some burgers and fries for the game. This is following two hours following our win over Portland State, the five and and0 Cougars men's team. Now the game did not disappoint if you watched past the first quarter. The first quarter started off really, really slow. And I mean, oh my God, it's just so slow. It's depressing. But they shot. It was just inefficient shooting. Vandals shot 23%. From the field, the Cougars shot 22%. Which ultimately resulted in a 9-9 tie at the end of the first period. Yes. First quarter. Yes. Women's basketballs and in quarters. Much more, much similar to, similar to the NBA in that instead of halves, I actually like quarters better. It's just more interesting, more breaks. And then the second quarter, just like that, turned it around. They were passing the ball. It was an offensive explosion from three-point range, assists, jump shots. But the Cougars fell behind. It was not good. It was because there was the Vandals. Beat the Cougars 8-2 in second chance points. So when you got the ball on offense, on defense, or when you got an offensive rebound, you put it back, you scored again. So when you had the opportunity again after you missed a shot, you, they scored. We did not. So the Cougars didn't give up, though. They Every time they would, they would shoot up, they were trying to shoot their way out. They were getting close. Every time they got close, the Vandals just scored again. So it was 23-27 at halftime. Now the leading scorers were two people for the Cougars with five points. But if you turned off the game, oh, I feel sorry for you, man. That was a mistake. That was the biggest mistake you could have made because they just turned it on, destroyed them. I mean, oh, just buried the Vandals alive, essentially. The Cougars scored 51 points in the second half alone. Oh my God, it was embarrassing if you were a Vandals fan. Oh, interestingly enough, they showed a little Chiron bug about uh, a alum, famous alumni from Idaho. It is the guy who voiced Patrick Starr in Spongebob and Sarah Palin. I had no idea that Sarah Palin or Sp- or Patrick Starr went to Idaho, but you learn something new every day. So Charlize Wedger Walker coming off the best game of the of her career. Her only game for career really. Well, yes, not really, but just the best game for her career. Dominated. I mean, she looked like a professional basketball player playing against 8th graders. The most dominant basketball performance I think I've seen since LeBron James played against anyone or even more dominant than LeBron James. She just destroyed the Vandals. I don't know what's left of it. I would be embarrassed to show my face around Moscow if I was on that women's team. Charlize Ledger Walker bullied them. I mean just destroyed them. There was a nice little she steals she gets out. Okay. So let's set this up. Her sister, Crystal Ledger Walker, is a grad transfer from northern Colorado, I believe, the same school Cami Ethers came from. They're both starters. There's a three point play. Her sister feeds the ball to her, shoots a three. Then Shirley Sledger Walker steals the ball, lays the ball up, gets fouled, putting the Cougars on a 9 0 run. She then continues to score on a 9 0 run. She scores 18 points in the third quarter alone. Pretty good. Pretty good if I say so myself. We don't see many players do that now, 18 points. Ah, she's not done though. She fights for rebounds, she gets it back. She misses a shot. She puts the rebound, scores. Now I called her winning Pac-12 Freshman of the Week. Thank you, appreciate that. She should win Pac-12 Player of the Year, if not Freshman of the Year. She put up 29 points, eight rebounds, and five assists from a guard. From a guard. Oh, the 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 Huskies opted out of their bowl game. That's Not really a surprise. They weren't going to play in the championship. There's not a guarantee they'd get to a bowl game. They're all in quarantine. No one wants to play in a bowl game. It just feels fake now. You're flying out. You're risking COVID. Players are kind of sick of playing. I don't know. It just feels, doesn't feel like a real season. Anyway, back to this. The Cougar offense looked great. They spread out the scoring. Bella, Marca Catete, that's how you say it. Marca Catete had 15 points. Joanna Tedder, another international freshman, I believe from Australia, had nine. Six other players had four. I mean, they were just spreading the ball out. Everyone was getting their opportunity to score. So think of this. The Cougars are now 2-0, winning 74-55, coming back from a four-point deficit at halftime to win by 19 points. 19. 19. Now they will play number 21, Oregon State, who is fantastic. On tomorrow, 12 p.m., you better watch. Oh, but the football game is on. Guess what? You can do both. That's what I'm going to do. The second it turns 12, I am putting the, the, the basketball game on my computer, and I am putting the Cougar football game on the big, on the big screen, the only, the only TV in the house, but the big screen, and I'm watching both. Because, let's be real, the basketball game will probably be the better game. And it's, again, the 21-ranked Oregon State Beavers. They're good. They're really, really good. So set your dials to that and enjoy it. Let's talk about your men's basketball team. We are 5-0. and Interestingly enough, we did not get a single vote for the AP Top 25. What happened to the dude in Colorado who voted for us 23rd in the nation? He just said, they won another game. Get him out. We don't need him. We won 69-60, nice. Beasley Coliseum. Now, be Portland State. Portland State is not a pushover. They've had, they're a transfer-heavy team. Seven transfers, three of them from UW, the University of Washington, who just lost to the University of Montana by a lot. (laughs) Mike Hopkins, doing a great job there without your five-star recruits, buddy. Now, they have recruits from not just, like, you know, Carter so- Sorensen from Spokane, like he was. No, they were real starters, not benchwarmers. They started four or five games, played in 20-plus games from Utah, ASU, and UW. Good players. Elijah from UW, if you remember. Now, this was our, our best game of the season. Best game by far. Now, was it a complete game? No. It was far from a complete game, but it was our best game, not purely by the score, but by how we played I'll explain. This helped prove my point. Sorry, I think I did something wrong here. Okay, so usually during the first four games, we, the Cougars, Usually start off extremely slow, sloppy, just really bad. Instead this game, we just get right off the jump. Boom, 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 boom. Great job, boys. Played super aggressive. Rebounded, did fantastic. But going to halftime with a lead. Yes, you heard me. We had a lead. Oh, that hasn't happened to us ever. It's crazy. But... Okay. We had the lead. We went into halftime. Then we come back, we put Bonton in the game. Bonton is in foul trouble. He gets pulled early. Portland State played aggressive and full court press test. With Bonton out of the game, it forced Ryan Rapp to step up and be the primary ball handler. Now, if you if your heart dropped a little bit when you heard that, I feel you. I understand. Ryan Rapp is a fine player. He's 0 for 16 this season. But Ryan Rapp being your primary ball handler, that's a little scary if we're being real. I don't know Ryan as a person. It's not an attack on him personally, but he did not play well. He's not a ball handler. He hasn't grown into that. He can improve his that. If anything, I would say that's what he needs to improve on. And they just took advantage of us. They hit four straight threes. And now defensively, that was difficult because we lost DJ Rodman, who's probably out against Montana, along with Tony Miller. Jazz Coons and Jefferson the ball. So we're down four players for the next game tonight. But DJ went out in the first half with a high ankle sprain. They went in a 7-0 run, which is bad. They pressured us. The Portland State did. They pressured us. They got right in your face, grilled you, pushed you up against the wall, took your lunch money, and just shook you. Stole all that lunch money. They got two milks this year. Two milks at lunch yesterday. It was unfair. But then TJ Bamba, the freshman, steps up from the Bronx. Baby, he's from New York. He's from the Bronx. I can't do a Bronx accent. That's where Captain America's from. spider man from Queens. Yo, I'm from the Bronx. Stepped up. Dominant. Noah Williams, best player on our team, hands down. So it is. He's just the best player. Stepped up. Scored when we needed to. And now look, I know I said Bonton. We're not a fan of Bonton on this podcast. I'm just not a fan of his the volume he shoots with. He takes too many shots and that bothers me. He just keeps shooting. But he did come back. He played really well. He was our offense and just actually propelled us to win. If he didn't come back, we would not have won. But, look, our offense finally got together. They screwed their head on tight again, just had to fix up, crack their necks, and then, boom, four players, double-digit scoring. Noah Williams, 18. Bonton, 16. TJ Bamba, 15. Andre, three-point. Jakamowski, ooh, ooh, 12 points. That dude put up three threes, just Limitless release, my dude. Green release after another. Green release. green. Release. If you play 2K, that's what happens when you you shoot a three and you get it within the meter to shoot it on your controller and it's a perfect release. You know you're going to make it. It's a guaranteed fate. Green release. Dude, we were just distributed the offense. We played so well, really well. Look, we're undefeated. We played our best game. We will play Montana State in a little, little, little more than three hours, 6 p.m., Pac-12 Network, boys, you better tune in. We're going six and zero. We play Prairie View State next. Northwestern State. We're going. We're basically playing every co- every team in the swack, I think. We're going undefeated. Knock on wood. We go to we go to Pac-12 play undefeated. We have a huge lead over the conference. We do this, baby. All right, let's talk about let's talk about this next game. Montana State. Now, actually, Montana State, not a pushover. They beat us here. They beat us two years ago. 95 90. But for those of you worried, what? 95 90? Don't worry. That was under Ernie Kent. Don't worry about it. We fired him. He's gone. Now, this is a big game for Isaac. He started his career at Montana State. He said, there wasn't any bitter, bitterness or anything. I just felt like I had to move on. It was best make a move in my career. No bitterness. That's good to hear. But I predict he'll want to step up, play well, which could raise some right white or some red flags for me because he'll just shoot and he'll just shoot nonstop. But since this game. The loss probably was better. We hired Kyle Smith, who has gone 21-16, and 16, bringing in the greatest recruiting class in school history, off to a 5-0 start, hopefully 6-0. Because you know, if you know, now you know. We are an elite defensive team. Defense wins championships, but guard play wins national championships in the tournament. We got great defensive numbers, 25th in scoring defense and 14th in field goal percentage. We hold our opponent's field goal percentage to 34.8%, 14th best in the nation and 25th in points allowed with 58.6. But Montana State can score, man. They put up 114 and a 40-point win over Yellowstone Christian, which... I'm not going to read too much into that because they're in the national christian call college athletic association i don't know if they're d1 i i don't know anything about them but they also put up 91 points against unlv so that's a school i know i don't i'm sorry yellowstone christian i'm sure you're a great school i know nothing about you i've never heard of you you don't you don't have a logo in most of the apps so i'm assuming you're d2 like i i use the score and you go to their their game, and, you know, the score is an app for tra- tracking scores, keeping tracking player games. There's their stats. You look and you go, huh? You don't have a logo, man. Like, at least get a logo. I'm sure they have a logo, just not on any of the apps. So look, we only beat our player our opponents by five points. So we're gonna need to put up more points. We really do. And I think we're gonna win this and go six and zero. Oh. So that is a short preview, but look, we need to score. We need to score quickly, and our defense needs to step up. We need to score more points than the other team. Well, thanks, Walker. That's pretty obvious. But truthfully, I, I want to see a big win. I would like to see a big win sooner rather than later, so I know we are for real. I still don't know if we're for real. I would like to see a 20-point win before we head into the new year. All right. Yesterday, Wednesday, that would not be yesterday. Sorry, two days ago, Wednesday. National Signing Day. So, what is National Signing Day, you ask? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Walker. It's like you're in my head. I know, Walker, it's great. Sorry, don't know why I did it, that was strange. So, we have National Signing Day. That is where recruits get to sign their letter of intent saying, I am officially committed to this school and the school is now allowed to talk about me. Now, why is this important? Well, this was Nick Rolovich's first full class. This is all the guys he wanted that he chose to bring in. This is a foundational piece. This is the class you build every other class on. And now it's very difficult to recruit during a pandemic. No in-person visits, no in-person talking. And the question about scholarships is very difficult because you don't know what seniors are gonna come back because we already have Jihad Woods coming back, Renard Bell, Justice Rogers, and a couple other. So their scholarships roll over. So you want to keep those players. So you have to essentially lose some scholarships. You can't recruit the full class. Then there are transfer portal guys. Then there's the later signing period. The traditional signing period. This is a new one. This one in December, the signing period is new. It's about four years old. Most players had to sign in February. So there's a big difference in this class and every other class I've seen from the other class I saw from Leach. Nick focused on defensive line and defensive front seven. So the linebackers and the front four. Defensive ends and tackles. And then linebackers. And then just sprinkle in some really good wide receivers. Just for the heck of it. So, because of the pandemic, everything's been shifted around. In this class, you basically sign undervalued players. Players, we had a lot of California guys who didn't play their senior season, who the coaching staff truly believes if they had played their, second, their senior season, they would have flipped to somewhere else, got a better offer. For example, Josh Meriden, wide receiver from modern day, great football school. Uh, powerhouse in Southern California. Did not put up stat, great stats his junior year. He, they're really low, actually. He put up 180, 13 catches, two picks on defense, two interceptions. Boom, boom. And then he also rushed for 200 yards. So pretty good. He was undervalued. And look, to be real, if he had played or even gone to summer camps, you look at Oregon, Oregon go oh, Not too shabby. Not too shabby. To quote Yogi Roth, Pac-12 analyst, biggest sleeper in the entire Pac-12 at that position. Biggest sleeper in the entire Pac-12? Yeah, you heard me. Biggest sleeper in the entire Pac-12. And we got him here, baby. He's on the Palouse. Josh Meriden. And he follows my podcast page on Instagram and my Twitter. So... Kind of a big deal. Now, if you want to him, Seahawks fans, Hawaii fans, John Ursua. John Ursua balled out in Hawaii. Nick Rolovich used him so well. He got drafted in the sixth round. Is stuck on the Seahawks for a couple of years. Great. Then we talk about CJ Sandals. You like 6'5 wide receivers? I sure do. I think they're fantastic. Top Juco wide receiver. Oklahoma State player. Recruited by, listen to this, okay? Alabama, the Crimson freaking Tide, baby. Crimson Tide, Oklahoma, LSU, Oregon, baby. We got him. But that was when he was recruited as a freshman. He transferred out of Oklahoma State, went to JUCO. Now he has three years of eligibility remaining. He is a Big-bodied, outside wide receiver, explosive vertical threat, 6'5". Listen to that again. What did you say? Oh, I'll repeat it. You ready? Six 6'5". 6'5"? Five. Five? Yeah. You know who's replacing? He is Tay Martin. Scaled up. Just boop, boop. It's like the Lego sound. I can't make the Lego sound. What do you? Stick pieces into each other. And boop, 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 boop. You build a wide receiver. That's CJ Sandel, baby. Early enrollee, learning the offense. This dude. oh, Gore, amazing, amazing player. He will replace Tay Martin, who, shout out to Tay Martin, went to Oklahoma State, tried to make some, get more playing time, wasn't certain that the Pac-12 was going to happen, had to try and get drafted as a kid. Good on him taking care of the kid. So we got a replacement for Tay Martin. Not to say... A Tay Martin can be replaced. And then on defense, we got Ryan Kershaw, All State running back, All State linebacker. Boom, boom. I said he's always wanted to be a cougar his whole life. So this is an easy decision. Easy recruit, almost as easy as Sam Hubbard to the Huskies. Bro, or Sam Hewart, because, you know, daddy played at UW, analyst for Fox, Brock Hewart. Oh, yeah, I played on. Oh, I'm just one of those ex jocks. I don't know. I'm very particular about ex jocks on the radio. I don't think most of them are qualified to be on the radio. In fact, very few are. I think some good ones are Brady Quinn, Yvonne Salive, I believe he's an ex jock. I thought he played it. I don't know. And um, Michael Bumpus. You know what? Fun fact about Michael Bumpus. He came on my podcast. Check it out. Let me tell you. Colon Washington State University. Or you can just search up bumped In to Michael Bumpus. Great interview. Fun guy. So back to. The offense. Ryan Kershaw. Enroll early enrollee as well. Linebacker, running back, book it, good starter. Then we go to Jaden Hicks. Oh yeah. Jaden Hicks. If that name sounds familiar, his brother was a walk-on at Hawaii with Nick Rolovich. Walked on. Fresh, true freshman starter, Jaden Hicks, 6'2 defensive back. 6'2? 6'2? He's a big boy. Big boy defensive back. He can play nickelback. Wait. Yeah, yeah, nickelback, right? Yeah, he plays nickel. Strong safety. Free safety. Bird style. 6'2". No, he went to high school. Big school. Bishop Gorman. Nevada. That is just a football mill. They just go boop, boop, boop. Three star. Four star. Five star. But they don't talk about Tate Martell. Tate Martell. Oh, that's hilarious. Like, I can do a whole hour on Tate Martell. Oh, my God. He's such an ugh. Ideas Me, me. Tate Martell. What are you doing, my dude? Transferring after one, after another. Tate Martell. Hey, let's go transfer to Miami. Hey, let's transfer to West Virginia. Hey, let's transfer to Texas a and I can't win a job, so I'm just going to transfer. Okay. Sorry about the drinking. I'm drinking water, and I can't really mute myself or do anything about it. I have to just talk for an hour. So I occasionally have to pause to drink because my throat gets sore quite easily. So our quarterback, early enrollee, also potentially getting on the podcast, still firming up the details, but look out for that. Xavier Ward from Corona, unfortunate name, unfortunate name, Roosevelt High School and Corona. California don't know why I said it like that either but he's a 6'2 quarterback 195 from Southern California and now I don't know about you but I do like my quarterback from Southern California they play pretty well not gonna lie not gonna lie he's 6'2 by the way his dad played basketball at Stanford he is 6'7 and our quarterback is only 17 years old he just turned 17 bro He's going to be a tall dude. We're talking Brock Osweiler tall, dude. Not necessarily that tall. But I'm thinking 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". We have a big dude. Big, big dude. His coach at high school also coached one of Nick Rolfes' greatest quarterbacks, Cole McDonald from Hawaii, the four-year starter. And then also NFL draft pick. He is a baby. That is definitely accurate. But which is good if he has to redshirt a year. He can. He is 6'2", 195, and he's really accurate. So basically, he's really good. He's a very good quarterback. And he didn't get to play his senior season. And if he did, he'd probably pull a Jaden Delora and get recruited by our higher-level school, a blue-blood school. But, I mean, is he going to get playing time? I, I truly don't know because – we have Jane Delora, who's a freshman. We have Cameron Cooper, Gunner Cruz. Let's be honest, Jane Delora has been magnificent. There might be another QB battle this offseason again. So we'll find out. Look, we got this, guys. We got a good haul. We'll not complain. Undefeated basketball. Football is almost over. All right, so don't forget Utah. This Saturday, 10.30 a.m. on the pac on oh no, Fox Sports, I believe Fox Sports 1. Then we have Cougar women's basketball against number 21 ranked Oregon State. And then we have, obviously, tonight in about three hours' time, your Cougars face off against the Montana State Bobcats, the Bobbity Cats, at 6 p.m. on the Pac-12 network, looking to go 6-0. Noah Williams leading that team, Charlize Leisure Walker, the freshman all pack 12 first team looking like she's going to hit leading the women's team. Check it out. I also have an interview with Dallas Hobbs coming out later next week, potentially Xavier Ward and an analyst for CBS sports. So keep an eye out for that on my podcast. Let me tell you, WSU, Washington state university. That's it. Go Cougs. Remember test negative, stay positive. That's all folks. Enjoy your day. And remember, as Johnny Drama says, victory! Go Cougs!